Welcome to the ACO Show, a podcast about the American healthcare system and the people who are trying to make it better. I'm Josh Israel, and I am joined by a new co-host, Sean Cavanaugh. Sean, why don't you introduce yourself? I think the the listeners will want to know, in particular, what what you're bringing to the show. Are are you going to be funny? Are you going to get Bruce Springsteen to join us? (laughs) I, I can't promise that. Thanks, Josh. It's good to be here. Sean Cavanaugh, I'm the chief policy officer here at Allidade. Prior to working at Allidade, I spent six years at CMS, three years at the Center for Medicare, so all the traditional Medicare payment policy rules, and three years prior to that at the Innovation Center, so sort of the R&D shop of CMS. And prior to CMS, I've had a series of jobs in and out of government, always around healthcare, always around healthcare delivery and payment, sort of an itinerant health policy wonk, always looking for work. All right. Well, it's not the boss, but it's pretty good. Glad, glad <laughs> to have you here. And our first interview is with Tamara Thomas. She's Allidade's Vice President of Equity and Inclusion. And we talked about health equity. I did like that she was able to get specific on some things. You know, health equity can just be this nice sounding thing. I like that she was able to bring it back to some, some specific initiatives, like trying to close the gap around blood pressure, trying to improve the care, the kidney care for people of color. What, what, what were your takeaways? Yeah, I appreciated the specificity too, Josh, because as she discussed, you know, the roots of health equity are in racism, poverty, things that can seem pretty daunting for a company or even more so for a, a physician practice to address. But she made it clear, you know, you don't have to solve the entire problem. There are tangible steps we as Allidate as a company can take, but also the practices we work with, things they can do to improve the situation. Well, welcome to the show, and let's get to the interview. We are joined now by Tamara Thomas, Allidate's Vice President of Equity Inclusion. Welcome to the show, Tamara. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Let's start with the basics. Can you explain what health equity means to you? Absolutely. I was definitely raised by my parents and grandparents with a sense of responsibility. If you can help somebody, you help them, right? And just really a, a responsibility to to value and care for my family and understanding that family is not always blood related, right? And I really saw that growing up through my family and my parents specifically. My mother is a pharmacist. She is not a physician or a nurse, but growing up and literally yesterday, a family member called seeking medical advice, like really what he should do with this bump on his knee that hasn't gone anywhere. He didn't call his PCP. He didn't call like his insurance nurse line. He called someone that he trusted, someone that he knew would lead him in the right direction. That lack of of trust in communities that have experienced um, discrimination, you know, institutional and structural barriers uh, that have made them think that healthcare is not for them, right? It's it's not something that they uh, can go to and access and trust. That pursuing health equity to me truly is seeing those people who are are left out, are looked over, or have the least, um, don't trust, and truly meeting them where they are and, and helping them thrive, that knowing it can be better, 
that's really what, what health equity means to me. Hammer, this is Sean. What brought you to this work of health equity? I am a, a trained critical care nurse and very early on saw the, the need to improve the, the quality and really the whole experience of care on a larger scale. That desire to serve also really directed my path in me wanting to learn and grow and understand how I can make a difference. So that's that's really what brought me to this. And with health equity being where every human being has that fair and just opportunity to have their and achieve their best health, I wanted to be a part of that. You know, I wanted to, to help make a difference there. It seemed a couple of years ago during the pandemic, right when George Floyd was killed, there was a bit of a an awakening or at least somewhat more awareness around these issues. Um, have you noticed a, a big uptake in people paying attention to it and maybe more importantly, meaningfully paying attention to it? Absolutely. Since since that, which was not so long ago, right, there's absolutely been more of an uptick in the focus on achieving health equity because so many people were those that I mentioned, right, that were left out, looked over, those that again, had the the least, and that least, not just being financially, but often least in terms of health literacy, right? And, and understanding uh, what health means, how to access it, and how to really be a part of preventable care for themselves. So I'm glad that that has really been an uptick, but it, it's not anything new to, to healthcare, really, when we think about it, right? The Institute of, of Medicine published Crossing the, the Quality Chasm. And in that, equity was one of the core principles of quality care, right? And that was in the early 2000s. So it's it's been there, but action to improve it, that's the thing that I think is is newer on the scene, as it were, for healthcare. So when you say improve it, what does that look like? Let's talk about what what successful health equity looks like. Maybe some examples of things you've seen or just even as, as general principles. Yeah, absolutely. So health equity work, again, is really evolving and in so many ways that it's, it needs to evolve. When we think about the social drivers of health, right, and the condition, which again are the conditions that people live in, work in, learn from, all of those those things that affect their health and their quality of life. 80% of someone's health is affected by social drivers of health. So in order to really make a difference and improve health equity, reducing health inequalities, reducing health disparities, we have to be able to identify those, right? Which means we have to measure them. We have to collect that data, and then we have to make that information available to those providing care along with solutions so that they not only identify where there are barriers to health, where there are social drivers that are affecting one's health, but also allowing them, empowering them to do something about it. Cameron. 
as you know, the three of us all work at Allidade, and what Allidade does is try to help physician practices move from fee-for-service medicine to value-based care. Is health equity going to be better served under value-based care than under fee-for-service? Is it the panacea? Like, now that we're in value-based care, are all the health equity concerns going to go away? From my perspective and from what I've learned and lived and understand, we really cannot have quality care without equitable care, right? And we can't have value-based care without quality care. So health equity is value-based care, right? And when we really engage in true value-based care, we are allocating resources to those that really need it most, and we focus on prevention, we reduce cost. That's value-based care, right? It's patient-centered, it's population health-driven, it's responsible and equitable care. Is it everything? No. It is, however, a critical component, a lever that should be pulled right along the side, transitional care, for example, and other chronic care conditions that we are focused on. Equitable care, again, is that another lever we can pull in order to achieve value-based care. I'd like to talk a little bit about social determinants of health, but let's start even first with the term. The way that it's used, it's this sort of smooth term. And even the term makes me concerned about whether we're really going to address it, that we can't even say the words, you know, poverty, racism, terrible social safety net in this country. And we call it this other thing. I, I just wonder what you think about that term. You know, there there also is a, a lot of talk about whether it should be social determinants of health or social drivers of health, right? I think because of the the vast nature of all of the social risk factors that affect health, you got to call it something. And it does drive health. It's not a determinant though, right? It's not, okay, you live in poverty. So that's kind of the way your life is going to end up. You're going to have, it's going to affect your life in X, Y, and Z way in terms of your health. That's not it. That distinction between social drivers of health and social determinants of health I think is so important. We do need a word. We need a common language in healthcare to really focus on the problem, right? And that is there are social factors that affect healthcare outcomes. I do believe they are factors and they're not determinants though. It is not a, you have this, so this will happen. We can change these social drivers of health and improve them. And that I think is something that people are still learning. It's true, in my opinion, a, a barrier to, to really achieving health equity is to say, yes, this is real, it is happening. And we can do something about it, right? It's um, acknowledging the, the hard truths that structural and institutional systems have caused inequities and disparities that result in, unfortunately, pain and suffering and 
and death, right? And we have an opportunity to do something about it. So I, I do see it as something that we need to call, we need to name, and we need to act on. Tamara, what I'm hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, is you're saying that phrase social determinant makes it seem like it's fatalistic. You were born here, you'll have such and such outcome. And what I think you're saying is call it a driver because then it seems it is important. <laughs> it will cause an outcome, but it's changeable. Absolutely. It is. It helps give people hope, not just the people that are experiencing that social driver of health, but also those treating and caring for people. Right. It's different when you. You assess a patient and you think, hmm, I know this is a social uh, factor that I need to consider in my plan of care, as opposed to this is a an end result, right? This is something that we can't change. There's also a significant amount of uh, literature that shows the psychological harm to healthcare providers in thinking about these risk factors that way, right? And identifying that they're there, but then not being able to do anything about it. You know, healthcare workers and physicians and providers, we want to help. And I think just changing that mindset, even through something as simple as a word, words are powerful, to look at it as a driver is helpful. We talk a fair amount at Elevate about testing rigorously things that we're doing for patients. And the Camden Coalition comes up a fair amount. That's an initiative where very high utilizers of healthcare, people suffering from a lot of these drivers of health, poverty, homelessness, were assigned sort of hotspotting uh, caseworker teams to really try to address their needs. And in the end, it was found not to be effective, at least for cost. And what they assumed at the end was that the safety net, the lack of it, was just too powerful, that the lack of income, the lack of housing, they just couldn't overcome that in healthcare. At a company like Allidade, what do you think we can do? I think there's so much we can do. And acknowledging the hard truths, again, there are structural and institutional systems that have caused these inequities and disparities that result in poor outcomes is important. Yes, they are there. And doing nothing is not the answer, right? There is a moral imperative to, to health equity. and a financial one too, right? We can do something in healthcare and specifically at Allidade in bringing awareness to these social risk factors and implementing sustainable and scalable interventions um, to improve it, like our uh, kidney care management and our comprehensive advanced care planning programs the efforts that we've put in place to reduce disparities in hypertension, there are things that can be done. And we have a responsibility to really implement and, and act on them. But Tamara, that's really helpful because as Josh laid out, some of these forces seem overwhelming if you're a practitioner, like I'm not going to cure poverty, I'm not going to cure racism. But you mentioned three areas where Allidate is working and trying to do tangible things. 
Can you go a little deeper, like on hypertension? What is Allidate doing to reduce disparities in that area? Absolutely. We have really developed in an infrastructure to use data and identify where there are disparities in our patient populations and uh, implement not just education to providers on unconscious bias and evidence-based practice in terms of care. So Tamara, linking this work with hypertension with what you said about the compatibility of health equity and value-based care, it occurs to me if you're in a value-based care deal and you take the time to uh, stratify your data and you see one of your interventions is not being taken up by African-Americans or Latinos, that actually becomes an opportunity. If you believe that activity is driving value, you've now narrowed down the population that you need to focus on to be successful. Am I thinking about this correctly? You are thinking about it in absolutely the correct way. And that's why health equity data is so important. We have such an opportunity to get more of it, especially on social drivers of health, so that we can really identify where there are disparities in outcomes. Because when we identify those disparities, then we can do what value-based care does, right? Really allocate the resources and the effort in order to improve the care of, of every patient population. And sometimes different groups need more. Different groups also sometimes need to be engaged in a different way. A lot of times due to their lived experience and specifically their experience with healthcare. So I really think we have an opportunity to use our data to identify where there are disparities and diagnose why. Why are these disparities here? So then we can actually put a plan in place to remove those disparities and improve the care for all of our patients. We've talked on this show in the past about some of the hidden structural uh, racist parts of healthcare uh, that you really have to go look for to find. And as we're talking, one that comes to mind for me is in value-based care, uh, physicians are rewarded for better health outcomes for their patients as they should be. But if you are incentivized to bring down your patient's blood pressure, and some of them are easier to bring down than others because they have more resources, they have access to medicines, they're not in a food desert, you could be incentivized to focus more on those than to put in more effort for the same result for poorer patients, for patients who are served at community health centers. So I can really see why it is important that, that we are giving extra focus on health equity. Do you think at the moment there are enough structural incentives to pay attention to these hidden disparities? I think that we have started this work and there's so much more that we can do. Um, this truly is a journey. Health equity is a journey. It did not happen overnight. Some of uh, the structural racism that you mentioned has been ingrained and taught even in some instances in unlearning some of those practices. Uh, like, for example, most recently, we have removed the race component for EGFR, right? Glomerular filtration rate, which is super impactful in 
the equitable transplant rate for kidney patients, right? This is very recent. So there are absolutely some policies and protocols that are in place that unfortunately a lot of um, providers are, are still using and still practicing. So no, I don't think that there are enough aligned incentives in place, but we are starting that work. And the more, the more value-based care programs are out there, the more we have practices that have aligned incentives with really improving the overall health for entire populations, right? So it's not just this one group of patients that know it'll be easy to improve their blood pressure. It is really thinking about the community as a whole. So when we do that and we achieve value-based care, we achieve shared savings, then those practices that may have a very diverse patient panel, they can reinvest. They can reinvest in their communities. They can reinvest in their practices so they can serve more people. Tamara, many of us know there's enormous waste in the American healthcare system and a lot of strategies being tried to drive that waste out, become more efficient and deliver higher value care. But is it possible there's some communities that are actually underserved, not just in access, but in the total experience of healthcare, and those communities will need more resources and not fewer? Yes, if there are some communities that have a lot of resources and others that that don't, when we really think about caring for the entire community, yes, it does mean moving some of those resources to the people who need it most. Mm-hmm. And then we really provide better care for not just one group, but for everyone. And that in turn improves uh, health in our society. And that's a good thing. So Tamara, how does a company like Allidade think of the full scope of these responsibilities to address health equity? Allidade has really committed to making equity front and center. Inclusion is one of our core values, and we see that in so many different areas in Allidade. Over 60% of our practices are in medically underserved areas, are places where there are healthcare shortages in providers, or areas where there is a, a shortage of healthcare workers. So we are enabling practices to be able to care for patients in um, underserved areas and that have been a part of uh, marginalized communities. So that is one way Allidate is really thinking about equity from a holistic standpoint. We also are committed to internally having a diverse, inclusive workforce so that everyone's thoughts are brought to the table as we work to truly transform care and make sure that it is equitable and effective and is good for patients, good for practices, and good for society. Tamara Thomas, Vice President of Equity and Inclusion at Allidade, thank you for joining the ACO Show. Thank you so much for having me. The ACO Show now has a mailbag. Submit your questions or episode ideas to acoshow at alliday.com. This show was produced by Leanne Horst, Alana Coogan, 
Rebecca Raymond, and Stuart Taylor. Check out more of our show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>